Rainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a prairie proud wrestling podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Let me tell you, this week I am very stoked for this week's podcast. Um, I'm joined by a guest who doesn't normally do a lot of podcasts or any sort of sort of that stuff, any sort of stuff like that. But he agreed to come on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, and let me tell you, I'm very happy that he decided to join me. This week on the podcast. I am joined by none other than the pissed off pit bull, Robbie Royce. Now, Robbie Royce is a veteran of uh, of wrestling for over 30 years. He's someone who's wrestled in four decades worth of wrestling. So he he knows his stuff. And he was able to come on the podcast, share some stories from the early 90s. And it was a lot of fun having him on. So you know what? Let's jump right into things. Without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Robbie Royce. Now, very few wrestlers, I think, can hold this claim to actually being incredibly active through four decades, but you are one of them. Let's talk about from the very beginning, because that's quite an accomplishment for anyone. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a long road. <laughs> um, let's see. Wow. Uh, it all started 91. Uh, I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. Saw a poster for uh, a bar league wrestling. Show. Okay. And we went down, a friend of mine went down there, and we were so interested. Uh, we checked out the show. It was all right. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's professional wrestling. It's something I'd always loved since I was a kid. And uh, signed up to train right away. Now, what was that like for you? I mean, because, I mean, in the early 90s, I mean, wrestling was a huge deal i mean it was incredibly popular still so for yourself getting into that uh let's talk about getting into that training and your experiences with that um well starting off then it was still very much like the big man type of wrestling i mean you had guys like brian pillman and jushin liger kind of and owen hart just starting to become you know a little bit more well known because of it Mm -hmm. but uh so when i started i I mean, let's face it, we all did this as kids, you know, backyard wrestling yeah. and stuff like that. But I did one training session, and uh, the promoter took a look at me and said, I'm starting you tomorrow night. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, then the very next night, I had my first match. I, honestly, I probably only trained for four hours the very before my first match. That would be unheard of nowadays. You would never get anything like that. That that's absolutely asinine is what it is i mean thinking back on it now i shouldn't have been i mean i could i could do moves but i had no psychology i had no idea how to put together a match or what went where or anything like that now at the time i mean because that was through the bar sort of the bar wrestling right what were the main promotions like in winnipeg at the time do you remember much of that Oh yeah, there was only uh, the one that I had started with, and it was—it didn't even really have a name. It was—it uh, was more of like an outlaw league, and then you had Tony Canelo. Okay. And really, that was it. Like some of the, there's guys that are 
that unfortunately, a perfect example was Caveman Broda was part of the league that I was in. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he just passed away recently. But um, there were guys from, I guess, new brand wrestling way back before I even knew Winnipeg wrestling existed um, that were kind of the mainstay guys like uh, Brian Jewell, Chichi Cruz, um, Playboy Doug McCall, uh, the Frog Terry Tonko. Uh, mm -hmm. He was the promoter. Um, yeah, it's, those were the guys that I started all out with. Mm -hmm. How long after that before you were a participant with uh, WFWA? Because that I remember that was my first Winnipeg wrestling, and like you mentioned, Chi Chi Cruz was there, um, Bulldog Bob Brown, Kerry Brown, those sort of guys, uh, Gene Swan. Yep. Um, how long after before you became with them? Uh, let's see, I uh, probably about two years, uh, and that's like we did these renegade ones, and then Tony and um, Tony and uh, Curtis Breslau, who wrestles or uh, uh, he manages as. Uh, Coach Kelly Russell. Yes. Um, he was a referee for us, but he would also referee for Tony. And Brian Jewell and Cheech were very much my mentors getting in. They took a shining to me right off the hop. And uh, they put in a word for me with Tony. And Tony saw me do a match. <laughs> and the first thing he wanted to do is, that hey, kid, yeah. Come work for me. You could do that fucking flippy thing, <laughs> which was a moonsault because nobody around here was doing a moonsault. <laughs> and uh, yeah, once I got with Tony, that was it. I just took off. Mm -hmm. it, like to look back, because I mean, I've, I was watching some of your matches earlier. I mean, and you know, the full long hair, you know, back then, you oh, know, yeah. it's like it's night and day from now. But I mean, back then, like you were the young upstart coming through the territory almost. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was, uh, I was the first one to do the the high flying stuff. I mean, you had guys that would you know do a cross body or whatever, but I was the first one that started doing the dives through the ropes, the suicide dives, the frankensteiners, the moonsaults, you know, that's the style I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that's why everybody wanted to start working with me. Oh, this kid can do this, you know. And I could sell really well. So mm -hmm. they'd beat the crap out of me, let me get my stuff in and the match would be good. And I mean, like you mentioned before, for the time, I mean, you had a few wrestlers doing that, you know, the Brian Pillman's, Juice and Ligers. Yeah. Um, so for that in a, like a local promotion to see that, that's a big deal. It really was. It was uh, a guy named uh, Stan Saxon, Suicide Stan Saxon. He uh, he once told me it was he saw me wrestle, and with the the stuff that I was incorporating, he realized that wrestling in Winnipeg was gonna finally get away from the, you know, the mat based or the brawling and guys were going to have to step up because now here I was pulling off other things, mm -hmm. right? That a lot of people hadn't seen before mm -hmm. and being probably the smallest guy in, in the city at the time is it, it worked to my benefit. Mm -hmm. so. I mean, Tony is known for doing some of the Northern tours and you were yes. a part of those. Oh yes, I was. You're a young kid. I mean, you're still young. I won't say a kid, but you're a younger guy going, being a part of that. What was that experience like for yourself? Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, absolutely terrifying. Um, I was lucky enough to go on the tours and uh, my first tour up, of course, I went with Jewel was up there. Yeah, my mentor. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I stuck by his side in that. But I had Bobby J and Gene Swan, and we were all such good friends. And then 
I met guys like uh, Joe Legend who mm -hmm. would come in and um, oh man, uh, Dr. Luther, which which ended up being quite the debacle for me at one point. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, like, like it was very much an eye opener. Mm -hmm. Like, and now when I see these documentaries on the ice roads and stuff like that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly how it is. I, you know, I I live those nightmares. A lot of people who I've talked to who have who were a part of some of those, I mean, they, they share the stories, you know, like, oh, the van getting stuck or the truck getting stuck and having like snowmobiles coming to rescue them and stuff like that. You know, was were you ever a part of anything like that or was it fairly easy? I was I was fortunate. The, OK, the couple the, the couple tours that I did, nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the one thing I did learn very early is not to go up to the northern stores to spend my money. Okay. And so Gene Swan and I would stockpile all our food and we'd eat like kings while everybody else is eating craft dinner and tuna and stuff. We're barbecue we're cooking steaks in the in the school cafeterias mm -hmm. and stuff like this. And next thing you know, guys are coming over. Hey, guys, uh, can I get on on this? You know, so <laughs> the uh, I, I, I can't say I ever really had any bad experiences. One of my favorite stories, though, is because we'd always sleep in the gymnasiums mm -hmm. and, you know, just grab the crash mats and stuff like that. So one night there's Bob Brown and Tony Candela sleeping up on the stage. And there's a couple other guys sleeping in like the locker rooms. And Joe Legend is sleeping in the middle of the ring. And Jewel and Swan um, goaded me into doing this. So it's completely dark. I, I sneak out into the gymnasium. I climb to the top rope and I crash down. I splash Legend while he's sleeping. Roll out, roll underneath the ring, and Bob Brown clicks on the lights. Who the fuck is doing this? And he started flipping out on Joe Legend. Legend just sat there and took it. He just sold it like it was fantastic. I mean, one of the guys that I always remember from then watching on TV were the Browns, Bulldog Bob, Carrie. And I mean, they always seemed like you're watching them on TV and they just come across as like the mean, bad dudes like that you don't want anything to do with. Well, you, know? you know, Bob, let's face it, Bob was Bob was a legend before he before coming here. He was a big name. Mm -hmm. And uh, Carrie, Carrie never, in my mind, never gets the respect that like when you talk about guys that paved the way in Winnipeg, Kerry's name doesn't come up a lot, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Man. He was a big star in Japan and stampede and that. But if it wasn't for guys like Kerry Brown, I may not still be here, mm -hmm. right? Um, but that aside, Kerry Brown was also probably the biggest teddy bear in the world. So yeah. if he liked you, he loved you. You were you were gold in his books. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know the first time I saw you wrestle, like I'm seeing you and like just your aura and persona, I'm like, this is a bad guy right here. Like not someone you want to mess with. It was the same sort of vibe I saw seeing those guys, you know? Yeah. So it's almost like from past days to current days, and it's like the same sort of style, you know? Mm -hmm. But I mean, then I get to talking to you and stuff, and it's like, oh wow, this guy—he knows his stuff, you know. Yeah. Like it's just a matter of actually getting to know someone and talk to someone. Yeah, but you don't want the problem with with the wrestling is you don't want to look like, look or seem like the guy that's sitting in the front row. No, right. So, an over the top character, you got to make people believe. Mm -hmm. If people, if people believe, they come back. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. Um. 
WFWA, they eventually turn into IWA for all intents and purposes. You were still wrestling for them, if I'm not mistaken? Um, with WFWA, I had been with Tony, and then Tony started slowing down with the shows and got really frustrated, especially for me, because I was still in my early years, and mm -hmm. I, you know, I, all I wanted to do was wrestle. And River City Wrestling started. Yes. So I went over there, and I was wrestling under a mask for a bit. And... Uh, Tony knew, but like he stopped using local guys, mm -hmm. which was fine. Uh, but River City is the company that really took off at mm -hmm. the time, anyways. Um, you know, I, there was never any hard feelings with it. It was just, uh, it's just the way he wanted to do it. Uh, Don Don Callis was the uh, was the booker, and he didn't want to use local guys other than. Cheech, basically. Yeah, they were bringing in a lot of guys, uh, like, you know, I think Edge and Christian guys like that. They were, yeah. before they became yeah. big, they were yeah. coming that's, in. Those sort that's of stuff. what it was. They wanted to use out of town talent mm -hmm. because, uh, I mean, River City, we were we were running everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, we had the weekly shows at Chalmers and the, you know, the winter carnival fairs and the summer fairs and like every community center you can imagine. And like, we ran River City, I would like to say three, four maybe five years and it was it was solid nonstop. Mm -hmm. and river city they ended up having uh their shows on television as well correct yes yeah on show tv okay um now what were who were some of the other mainstays with river city at the time you know because you mentioned cheech was still doing the iwa stuff yeah. was he doing river city as well no no uh no he stuck with he stuck with tony mm -hmm. um it was uh myself vance nevada um Brian Jewell, Bobby J, um, Caveman Broda, and then guys would progress on, like Bobby Collins would start. Um, I know I'm leaving out tons of guys. I'm just trying to think of the top mm -hmm. of my head. Uh, Stan Saxon, who turned into Brother Midnight, Jim Cornette's favorite wrestler, by the way. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, like that went on for years until, and then River City kind of just slowly merged into cwf yes and cwf i mean we had met, we had briefly talked about it just through texting but they were a huge deal in winnipeg manitoba and canada i mean you had their partnership with the nwa and for what it's worth like they they cwf doesn't get the recognition that it deserves for its impact on canadian wrestling well the way i look at it is the early cwf days were a little rocky i mean mm -hmm. they were very much like um, very much like River City and everything else. Uh, Ernie Todd was the owner, and you know he was listening to guys that, uh, listening to guys that it's got to be booked this way and this way. And me and a few other guys got in Ernie's ear and said, "No, like East, like look at ECW. That was the the direction the company was going in." So he ernie made me the booker mm -hmm. and i changed the whole style of it it became you know cwf wrestling too extreme um i can't even remember the old motto now but basically it became extreme wrestling mm -hmm. and when that happened things really picked up guys like uh paul diamond uh came came back from uh, wwf and he uh he was here just for uh his father was was very ill but he came back and he started. He came and watched one of the shows due to um, Spider. Spider brought got him, got a hold of him, brought him to the show, and it hooked him. Mm -hmm. He was like, "Okay, I want to work with these guys." And through 
guys like Spider, Darren Dalton, myself, Gene Swan, Paul Diamond, um, the late Alex Rain, um, we we made it the Canadian version of ECW. Mm -hmm. We made uh, I specifically made it so that everybody everybody was important on the show. You had a you had a place. You had if somebody got hurt. We could slip, slip somebody else in, and it was believable that they took that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were fortunate enough to start getting guys like new, new fresh new blood, like um, assisted suicide, Ross Skills and Chad Tatum. Mm-hmm. Or, or, yeah, stay with Chad Tatum, sorry. And um, then we took the big step. We started going to the rendezvous. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where there's there's been quite a few people that have told me, like, these are the shows that made them wrestling fans because other than Tony, where he would, you know, he'd bring in like Jim Neidhart or something like that. And, you know, you would draw, you would draw like 400 people at a community center. We were packing, absolutely packing the rendezvous with no names Mm -hmm. because, and I've said this before, we didn't need names. We were the names. Mm -hmm. Um, I had Joelle show up one time. While he was doing, uh, well, he was working for 92, and uh, he showed up, came, uh, watched the show, put us over on the radio afterwards, and said he, he, it was pay-per-view worthy show. Mm-hmm. So, um, now through CWF, I mean, you had what is arguably one of the. It's a, one of the biggest matches in Canadian wrestling. Your match with Steve Carino. Um, I was wondering, hoping you could talk about that, the build up to that, how it came to be, and also, I mean, the friendship that's developed between it, because you two have become very close through that. Extremely close. Uh, that was probably one of the biggest things to ever happen to me, wrestling wise. Uh, Ernie and Ernie told me we're getting. He had just become the president of NWA, mm-hmm. and he told me that we were they were running the tournament for the NWA heavyweight, uh, heavyweight title. And it was, they were thinking of, it was going to be, uh, they were going to put it on Jerry Lynn or something like that. And next thing you know, he told me Steve Carino. Okay. It's like, unfortunately I hadn't seen, I hadn't even seen Steve wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then he told me that he's coming in and you're going to wrestle him for the NWA North American title. So I started watching some footage, this and that. The day before our big show in at Le Rendezvous, we had a show in Brandon, and I got to meet Steve for the first time. So I go up and I introduce myself, and um, this is going to sound very bad, but I went up to him and uh, I said, uh, "You and I are wrestling each other tomorrow night." And he goes, "Oh, okay." So, and I was the, I was the heavyweight champion. I was also the tag team champions with Darren Dalton at the time. And under a mask, because I was also the cruiserweight champion. <laughs> so he got a big chuckle out of that. But in my defense, I did drop the tag team titles and the cruiserweight belt in Brandon and to set it up uh, for Win- the Winnipeg show. Now, when we got to Winnipeg, um, we just instant chemistry. We were mm-hmm. talking in the locker room and uh, in our match, it just is like I'd known the guy my entire life. We mm-hmm. just went off and yeah, we had a fantastic match. Now, the funny thing about this is I never told anybody the finish to the match. Mm-hmm. And when there was a rival company, um, wrestlers in the crowd watching, 
I had the guys from my own crew watching from upstairs through the windows. And when I pinned them and won the NWA North American title, everybody's waiting for, you know, the, the, uh, the match to get reversed or yeah. something. Nope, I walked out of there and they were stunned because it was absolutely unheard of for a Canadian guy to win a national title mm -hmm. like that. Now, I mean, it's the match is up on YouTube, and I encourage everyone to go out and check it out. I think it's up Robbie on Royce Wrestling. It's up on, on your channel, yeah. yes. Um, I know that you two did share the ring again later on, um, but after CWF, then it's I think more promotions started coming up through Winnipeg. I mean, there was Top Rope, if I'm not yep. mistaken, you yep. were a part of that as well. Yes, uh, we, uh, myself, Darren Dalton, <laughs> Mike Angels, and Assistant Suicide, we all. I hate to say we got we got sick of CWF, but CWF got a little complacent. Mm -hmm. It the promoter wasn't motivated, and we were we felt like we were spinning our, our wheels. And all of a sudden, we just made the the big jump over to top rope. And uh, CWF basically, I think it lasted another two years, mm -hmm. uh, but it it wasn't the same. Yeah, but you know, we jumped over to top rope, and then. Um, Stayed with Top Rope until the very end, but PCW had started in the, in the meantime as well. Mm -hmm. You, uh, one thing about Top Rope, because I know your match with uh, you and ATM against um, Big Sexy Beast, the TLC match, yep. which we'll talk about a little later, but you also had a TLC match in Top Rope, correct? Um, no. no TLC, okay. TLC match would have been CWF. Okay. Sorry. Against Darren Dalton? Uh, it was, it was Darren Dalton and myself against Assisted Suicide. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was the match that, uh, Joey Ellis had was pay-per-view. Okay. Uh, I would be, would have been a miss if I didn't at least bring it up. Really? So I, I had to, um, now PCW, I mean, others have talked about it. Those shows at the lid, those are some that people look back at as some like, the moments in Winnipeg wrestling. I mean, it was weekly shows, the monthly big show, I think it was, yep. and you were a big part of all of that. Yeah, I, uh, I'd like to think I was. There was a lot of guys that were, that were extremely good talent. Like you had uh, Kenny Omega, who was coming up still. Mm -hmm. He was still, uh, you had Mentolo, you had uh, Shane Madison, you had Playboy Will Damon, um, the list goes on it again i'm gonna leave somebody out and somebody's feelings are gonna get hurt but you know that's who i'm thinking off the top of my head mm -hmm. and uh pcw was 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 amazing um you know it's it gave guys like raw skills broke out on his own became a big star there on his own uh mike angels as well um this is where you know there would be uh, other companies branch off and take guys and stuff like this but you know I had great feuds there with Dalton with Adam Knight like I had tons of great matches mm -hmm. with him um, Omega um, yeah I had Nate Hardy yeah uh, so yeah now I mean you mentioned some of those was there any one or two that really stand out to you as ones that you look back on um, from my PCW foods it would definitely be Omega yeah um, Adam Knight for sure. Um, ATM. That was like that was the beginning of us teaming together, and we had our first big feud there as well. And uh, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. There was so much because keep in mind, 
it was weekly and that was kind of unheard of at the time mm -hmm. right so over the course of six seven years you do so much and you forget a lot yeah. like a lot gets overlooked but there was there was so much great stuff there mm -hmm. um you mentioned atm and how that was the you know your feud with him eventually you two became team impact yeah. which i mean one of the top teams in manitoba without a doubt how did the YouTube become a team? And I mean, if you want to talk about the feud that led to it as well. Uh, me and him have had that on again, off again, tag team partner, opponent thing since the beginning. Uh, we started in PCW as opponents and great chemistry. Mm -hmm. uh, and I I was kind of just kind of... Andrew used to call me the gatekeeper because if he wanted to elevate somebody, he put them in a feud with me. But I wasn't really doing anything and I was getting frustrated. So I suggested teaming with ATM, who was Oz at the time, and picked up his team impact and won the tag team titles a few times. And then um, my I was having really bad shoulder problems and I was gonna retire. So mm -hmm. I set up we set up a, a great storyline, uh, a feud against each other, and uh, had the big blow-off match at the lid at the final show and that was it i ended up coming back uh, three four months later <laughs> and rather than rather than um continue the feud we just went back to tag teaming mm -hmm. and nobody questioned it because they loved us as a tag team mm -hmm. and again throughout bcw history it was uh near the end uh at one point uh we split up a big heel turn and I had a, a big match with him and then we started with CWE and just started tag teaming again mm -hmm. but uh, under a very different style we went from being like I want to say like Midnight Express style to the Briscoes okay right we both beefed up we both changed our ring attire we were more violent and, yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, you had your, it's so easy for like a wrestler to be the same in, you know, wrestling for like, you know, CWE, PCW, all that. You could have five different promotions. He could be the same in each one. Yeah. But you really wanted to stand out and, you know, change, you know, the outlook on you guys, you know, yeah. and to have a different appearance. Uh, it's, it was all about evolving. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's like, I guess, uh, maintain. Kind of like a, I want to say like what you see somebody like Chris Jericho does. Even if he's, even if he's like in the middle of the card, he wants to remain relevant no yes. matter what. So you can have your your top guys, but you're going to end up talking about what's cool, what he's doing in the middle of the card, and that's what I made sure that I was always relevant. I was always talked about. If you went home after a show talking about what I did in my match, it's funny you mentioned that because I mean before to you know talk about jericho just a bit i mean now i mean he's you know doing his jericho appreciation his you know wizard thing throwing the fireball and that all comes out just as like a one-off comment or you know talking about sports entertainment and now he's got a whole new thing he's on the top of the card again and everyone is talking about him where it was you know two months ago he was just kind of there it's like flick of a switch he's back up there yep that's if you want to stay if you want to stay relevant you have to evolve mm -hmm. plain and simple did you feel or find that, you know, then a lot of wrestlers were able to do that or did a lot of them sort of stay complacent? Um, some, some could. Uh, there was others that were, 
this is who I am. I'm not changing mm-hmm. for nothing. And and I, I completely understand that. I really do. But you see, for years, I was Showtime Robbie Royce, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Shawn Michaels type, you know, big chip on my shoulder. Uh, I'd, you know, I'd walk through the curtain afterwards and top that, mm-hmm. right? And um, we spoke about Carrie Brown. And when Carrie passed away, it was right around the time where uh, I come back after my shoulder injury and I wanted to kind of change my style a bit, a little bit more aggressive, map based. And to honor him, I took his name, Pitbull Carrie Brown, and I just tweaked it a bit and I became the pissed off Pitbull. Mm-hmm. Right, so I could still do like the top rope elbow and stuff like that, but I wasn't going to be running around the ring, hitting all my flippy shit all yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I mean, predominantly you did wrestle for PCW. You did wrestle a few times with CWE. Oh, I I would wrestled for CWE for seven years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and from there, you know, started off uh, just tag team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was my thing. Like we me and now ATM uh, we that was our niche mm-hmm. and we had such a great run uh, from wrestling guys like uh, Tommy Lee Curtis and Tyler Colton uh, the big sexy beast obviously was the big blow off we mm-hmm. built that up to a uh, TLC match which many people still talk about mm-hmm. it was absolutely fantastic and what had happened though is during that TLC match uh, I suffered some internal injuries that I didn't realize. I ended up in the hospital uh, nearly dying uh, a week later. Mm-hmm. I had torn a, I had a tear in my esophagus and in my stomach lining. And uh, I had to get uh, staples and uh, emergency surgery. And then I was going to retire. And part of it is, is my love for the business. And part of it is... The fact that I didn't want to go out like that. I didn't want to just retire because I was hurt. And I'm I'm stubborn. I am <laughs> stubborn as hell. My kids will attest to this. But uh, I came back and the, we did a what I think was a, a great angle of where ATM, uh, we did an emotional hug and I was going to retire and he turned on me, beat me up in front of everybody. And uh, it led to a great feud between us. And then the uh, promoter of CWE ended up putting the belt on me. And I had a great year, year-long run with the title on top there. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have a preference? Because, I mean, you did do a lot of singles wrestling. You did had your tag team wrestling. Was there ever a preference for you? Um, I'd say back in my CWF days, definitely, definitely singles. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as the years went on, I just... And, and I hate to say this because I've had I've had some great tag team partners. Like Darren Dalton was a great tag team partner with me. We did like the Heart Foundation style, right? mm-hmm. like one big man, one technical guy. And I, but when I got with ATM, it just it clicked and it was easy because I could still do all my stuff. And there's always there's I've always thought that there's always you know thousands of guys fighting for that single spot. But not everybody's fighting for that tag team spot. You take a, a perfect example of um, current guys, FTR, mm-hmm. right? They know what they've got. They know the, they're the top team in the business, right? It's a, and that's the way I, I looked at it. I just, I preferred tag team wrestling. It was just, it was 
I won't say easier. It just it also made it more creative, mm-hmm. right? Because now you got four guys instead of just two. Uh, the the move sets go from just what I'm doing to what we can do together. Yeah, and, you know, and uh, I I I do like both, but uh, my earlier years for sure uh, singles, and the last ten years for sure, I'd say I definitely say tag team. Uh, you and ATM, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, you guys basically you're not just tag team partners. You guys are almost brothers. You know, like to see you two interacting, you know, inside the ring, outside of the ring. I mean, you can see the like the true friendship between you two. Yeah, like the the term bro gets thrown around a mm-hmm. lot, uh, not just in wrestling, but everywhere. But no, he is, he's family to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, there's, uh, well, there's like a nine year difference between us. Um, you, you really wouldn't know uh, for most of that. It's like our styles are the same, you know, our attitudes are the same in and out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'd like to think that I helped him become that way. Like a lot of people used to do the, used to rip on me for it. Oh yeah, you, Royce can't have a conversation without putting ATM over that. You know what? The kid deserves it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of guys that deserve it, but he's he's my best friend. He's yeah, he's my brother, and you know, I'll I'll put him over all I want. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> if someone has something to say to it, That's bring right. it on. Yeah. <laughs> um, now. Before we get into talking about you know 3D Pro and what you recently did with them, um, that match with the Big Sexy Beast, the TLC match. I mean, I watched it for the first time a couple months ago, and I was blown away by it. I mean, everything about it. You you go to an independent show and you're not expecting to see something of that level, and all four of you delivered in that match. I think the crowd was on fire for it. You guys, you know, put it all on the line there, and it is an incredible match. Um, I will say this: the AJ Sanchez and, and Kevin Chevy are phenomenal tag team. Absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, for guys their size, what they can do, it's it's unreal. And um, a little bit of icing on the cake for this one was uh, CW. Was, we were supposed to have Sid Vicious in for that show, mm-hmm. and he no showed. And uh, we, the promoter, offered anybody you know money back for it or whatever even though uh, nobody took nobody took them up on that and we took that as incentive to really up our game mm-hmm. and we did we we went out there balls out we j- killed each other with the ladders and the chairs and um our manager at the time Kat Vaughn, he's she ends up getting a concussion through it after getting put through a t- uh, she she got uh Sanchez and Chevy put her, uh, hit her with a, their big finishing move and kicked her out to the ringside. And then I accidentally went to kick a broken piece of table out of the ring and it hit her in the head and gave her a concussion. <laughs> no, I mean, I actually, I had no idea that's who that was because I saw the valet there and I had no idea that's who it was. Yeah. Um, now, recently you made your return. I mean, COVID did a number on everyone, basically shut down wrestling almost, 100%, you know. CWE was still able to do some of their closed one, closed filming and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But PCW, one that you basically your home promotion, yeah, to say for the it. last uh, for the last four five years for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I was just exclusive for PCW. Yeah. So I mean, with them not running shows, you've been you've had to sit on the sidelines. Yeah. Did you like 
before getting into involved with 3D, did you think that this was going to be it for yourself? There was sometimes, yeah. I, I, I did say in, in my promo for 3D that, you know, like the whole world went was basically on pause and I was, I was kind of content just sitting back watching my matches and, you know, reliving, reliving memories that way. But it's it's like the old saying goes you, you never really get out you think you're out and you get sucked right back in mm-hmm. and it's it's my obsession mm-hmm. it, it has been since i've been five years old mm-hmm. and <laughs> i'll probably be you know rolling myself to the ring in a wheelchair <laughs> and then before it all ends your match at 3d pro i mean it, a winnipeg bull rope match with steph and i mean Everything about this was incredible from the promos that both of you delivered before. I mean, when you delivered your promo, like the fire in your eyes, like something was lit and it it showed through the promos, through the match, everything about it. It was, I think it definitely left an impact on the wrestling scene here in Winnipeg. Now, I was hoping you could talk about the match and everything leading up to it just between you two, because I mean, everything you guys put in, it, it delivered wholeheartedly and I think all of the fans went home in awe of what they saw. Um, well, leading, I, I was contacted by the promoter and asked if I wanted to participate. And it was, I was told that uh, Stefan Ritt had specifically picked me. And I was like, okay, well, this is kind of cool. The idea was pitched and how it would be a more ECW type brawl idea. And I was like, because that was my big concern was um, during the, the down period you know i'd had uh, double hernia surgery and you know wasn't in the greatest of shape and then i'm like okay i can do this i can do this and it started motivating me like just mentally and it, it was good for me and and then when we did the promos when we went and shot the promos i i just got so fired up and i remember the photographer and uh, the the lady filming the filming the uh, promo she just their eyes just kind of bugged out as I was doing it and as soon as it was done there were people walking across the street at the time they had stopped and watched what was going on and mm-hmm. it was like okay you know what? we got something here mm-hmm. I got them hooked and as far as the match goes um, it was the build-up I will say uh, Stefan's first promo was about like when he was talking about how like a serial killer sends a letter and stuff that that got me hooked mm-hmm. uh, that got me hooked on the on the the feud as it is and uh so i fired back and then <laughs> then we had the involvement of uh steve carino mm-hmm. and that just that took it to a whole new level without like even if you didn't know who he was like because we are we are catering to a new generation of wrestlers yes now. keep that or wrestling fans pardon me and you know they may not know who i am or this and that but that promo just escalated it and it it brought more people in i in my head and in my my mind it brought more people in off of that alone than you know like somebody just walking by oh there's a wrestling poster okay Mm -hmm. let's go to the show right it's um wrestling is now actually basically everything is now it's like social media yeah right and this was huge for it so when we when we got time for the match though it's you know the nerves kicked in mm-hmm. sitting backstage and hadn't been in the ring in a year and a half and I'm like oh man you know like, can we do this can we do this went out there 
and the switch just flipped and I mean yeah it, uh, I mean I wasn't running around top speed or anything like that but I, I don't think I had to it's we we told a great story mm -hmm. we had the crowd going ooh and ah the entire time and they all went home happy and as you can attest to at the at the after party afterward, <laughs> you know everybody just kept I can't believe that you know they were just talking about the match mm -hmm. so uh, that's that just showed me that you know Winnipeg wrestling is alive and well and it's it's uh, I'm not it's not something I'm ready to give up. Uh, I mean, if you haven't watched it, I mean, make sure you go to your way and it's up on YouTube to watch the match because YouTube I mean, uh, Robbie Royce. <laughs> Um, there is one point where you hit a Canadian destroyer that had the entire crowd rise to their feet and just go nuts for that. Yeah, I we, I landed on, on it was supposed to be on top of a chair and unfortunately I did the I did the flip the rotation and I cracked my tailbone by hitting it. But yes, it was it was quite the moment. They it, it got the reaction we wanted. So you had mentioned you know like a new generation of wrestling fan and nowadays it's so easy for fans to access everything at their fingertips yeah. you know whether it's buying a pay-per-view they can watch on their phone going on youtube watching your matches or watching anyone's matches you know you want to watch a match from germany you can you know it's it's right there so i mean to be able to stand out and do stuff like that it really you're taking it to the next level where some you know promoters or wrestlers might not haven't fully grasped you know the social media aspect of yeah. it but you've you've really stepped it up with you know you have your youtube channel now which there's lots of old content on there for people to go and look so i mean that right there you're you know using that to your advantage yeah you see my son uh i had it all on on vhs and my son took it all converted it and created it and it was it wasn't my idea it was all him because i've always been the type that yeah, I'll brag. I'm Robbie Royce. I, you know this and that, but putting my stuff out there, it's like I was like, ah, nobody wants to watch it. Nobody. And then I started seeing the views that were it was getting mm -hmm. and everything like that. And just like uh, I believe I told you, I don't usually do podcasts because mm -hmm. nobody wants to listen to me. But you know what? I got lots to tell, mm -hmm. and I'll be damned if I'm. <laughs> I care what anybody else thinks. Yeah. What I have to say, <laughs> but. That's the thing, like, I feel like as Canadians, and I've mentioned before, we aren't ones to pump our own tires, you know? And, yeah. you know, so for yourself, you've experienced so much in wrestling and not getting the recognition or being able to share that story. So for this chance, you know, for you to talk about matches you've been in, so people can hear about it and be like, okay, and go back and look, like, to educating the fan, newer fans about stuff yeah. like that. See, like, uh, one of my biggest accomplishments, and uh, we... We kind of bypassed this, but during the my top rope championship wrestling days, my uh, my idol growing up as a kid was the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. Mm -hmm. um, now, while the Bulldogs were my favorite tag team, Davy Boy stuck out more to me just because he was bigger than Dynamite, and he was still just as flexible as Dynamite. He could do the nip ups and he could do the cartwheels and this and that. And um, during the top rope championship wrestling days, uh, Bobby J managed to get Davy Boy in one of the very rare independent bookings and uh, I got to wrestle him and fortunately it ended up being his very last match because mm -hmm. he passed away a week I think week and a half later mm -hmm. but to me that is one of my 
one of probably one of the biggest highlights of my entire life to experience something like that someone you're a fan of you get to share the ring with them and then for their untimely passing shortly after i mean that has to have an impact on yourself knowing that you were a part of his life towards the end of it while he had such an impact on your own yes um i actually because uh his son harry was part of the match as well Mm -hmm. and i've gotten to be good friends with harry because of it i've uh, through my channel and everything, uh, Robbie Royce Wrestling, I've uh, I've shared it with him. He like because he had never seen the footage, mm-hmm. and uh, he's very happy with it. His daughter Georgia is very happy to have the footage and that. And uh, yeah, again, it's just it was it was a very surreal moment mm-hmm. for me. Um, I got only a couple more for yeah. you, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, what's next for yourself? Uh, my next match, 3D Pro Wrestling. I believe it's August 18th. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be doing... Uh, I don't know if they've announced the match no, yet. No, I don't think so. I think I'm waiting to find out who yeah. I'm wrestling, okay. actually. Yeah. But August 18th, uh, the Osborne South Legion, mm-hmm. uh, I will be there for sure. And last, I have to ask, because I mean, one of the things when I first got to talk to you and get to know you was your knowledge and appreciation for wrestling. I mean, because we were sitting talking and you're talking about GCW, you're talking about DDT, and you are a plethora of wrestling knowledge. You know what's going on. Now, I always like to get a match recommendation that you're a fan of that you think the listener should go watch. Okay. Um, I'll I'll go with... uh... I'll go with my idol, Davy Boy Smith, uh, when he was he was the British Bulldog against Lord Stephen Regal, Halloween Havoc, uh, WCW Halloween Havoc. I can't remember the year offhand, but it's for the TV title. And the first five minutes of chain wrestling that and reversals that they do is absolutely mind blowing, mm-hmm. considering Davy's size. And while we all know how technical and great regal is but it is so underrated Mm -hmm. it is absolutely amazing now for those listening where can they find you on social media because i mean you have your youtube channel which everyone should go check out but anything else you have uh instagram just robbie royce wrestling perfect uh and the youtube channel is robbie royce wrestling yes it is perfect robbie thank you so much for doing this i appreciate it thank you Thank you so much to Robbie Royce for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Definitely check him out on his social medias. Hit up his YouTube page and uh, check out some of the uh, the great videos that uh, have been uploaded on there. Some incredible stuff up there. So definitely go check it out and uh, go show some support. Thank you to Robbie. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. Thank you for you know listening to me ramble about wrestling. So... Um, if it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. We can uh, talk wrestling up there. You can shoot me a follow and uh, let's uh, let's talk wrestling. Um, newly created on the uh, the old on the gram on the Instagram is the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, all one word. Find me up on there and uh, just post videos, local content, stuff like that. And it's uh, slowly slowly progressing. We're 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 rocking and rolling with that. We're, there's more to come. So that's uh, Twitter. Instagram, Gmail, uh, email. You can find me, grainmakerpodcast at gmail.com. Hopefully that's what it is. I sometimes forget. But uh, shoot me an email. If there's someone you would like me to have on the show, then uh, let me know and I'll do my best to get them on. Up on Facebook, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Up on all 
podcast streaming platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, so you can check me out up on there. And I've got t-shirts available. For only $25, you can have a very, very fashionable Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. Shirts are only 25 bucks a piece. Uh, half the profits is going to go to a local nonprofit. You can look very fashionable this summer. I will hand deliver it to you. Hell, if you are in Canada in between Winnipeg and Calgary, in two weeks' time, I will even hand deliver it to you myself because I will be making the trek out to Calgary. So uh, let me know and I will get you a t-shirt. And I haven't talked about it nearly enough, but in a few short weeks, 3D Pro Wrestling is putting on their second event, Mass Appeal, at the Osborne South Legion. I have a few tickets left for that as well, 20 bucks from me, and you will get to be a part of an incredible wrestling event. I'm very stoked to be a part of it. And you know what? 3D Pro Wrestling is doing some incredible stuff on the Winnipeg wrestling scene. So definitely grab a ticket. Go check it out and uh, grab a T-shirt. And you know what? Just go support local wrestling. You know what? That's uh, that's what we're all here for is independent wrestling. So go show some so go show some support when you after you listen to this, a weekend show, whatever. Just go watch some local wrestling. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.